Welcome to the Dapper Don Podcast. It is your boy Dapper Don Dez. Today we're going to speak on a real sensitive topic, and that's gun rights in hip-hop. That's right, from the most illegal and atrocious violations to those within their full rights, we're going to break down the many different aspects of gun rights in America. And another, and usually, if you've been tuning in regularly, you'll notice that I also do a segment called Homie Homage and one for uh, pictures worth a thousand words. But today, I seen something on YouTube that really kind of sparked my my uh, my interest. And I just wanted to touch on that real quick because the, the gun rights one kind of, it, it's a bit lengthy. So I just thought I, I'd talk on this thing that I seen on YouTube. It doesn't have anything to do with hip hop, but I think it does also kind of do with the, with the mentality that's involved in, in how we see society. And hip-hop does oftentimes reflect this paradigm that I'm going to speak on. So this guy asked students, do you believe in socialism? These college students, and asked, do you believe in socialism? And, of course, a lot of these kids, I guess, they're progressive campus or whatever. And they said, yes, of course I believe in socialism. I believe everybody should be giving you know, a fair opportunity, a fair chance, all the good buzzwords. Then he turned around and said, well... Would you believe in being a socialist? Would you believe in socialism with your GPA? Meaning that with your GPA, you give, let's say you have a 3.8 GPA and somebody has a 1.7. You give 0.3 of your GPA or half of your GPA or whatever so that person can have a passing GPA and you can have a passing GPA. And this is ideal of what is considered fair. That that makes it fair. And, uh, and the kids, of course, wasn't with it. They wasn't with it. And, you know, I thought about it. And the reason why that just hit me is because as much as that was a really good example of how nothing is so clear cut and we make people who believe, let's say, in capitalism, the bad guy and those who believe in socialism, the good guys. But in reality, it's a gray area. So when I was thinking about it, I couldn't help but, you know, keep thinking on this one subject, this one topic. And he said... Would you give up your GPA? I asked myself, well, am I allowed to make up that GPA I just gave away? Meaning the fact of if I give you, if I got a 3.8, I give up my 0.8. I still got 3.0 GPA. Will I be given an opportunity to make an 8 back? Or is it just that I gave up my, I got 3.8, I just gave up that percentage, and the idea is to keep me at a certain level and to keep that person at a certain level. Because if you give my point eight away and I can make it back and I'm given the opportunity to make it back, then maybe I can see that being slightly fair. But then I thought to myself, well, even then that's not really very fair, is it? Because one, you're only making me a better student. I don't, not only am, I'm getting screwed over for one and you're only making me a better student because I'm getting more proficient and he's becoming more dependent. You're taking away his purpose. You're giving him entitlement. And that entitlement breeds the victimhood. So on one end, you kind of see where the right's coming from, right? Like, you're not helping nobody by doing that. But I said to myself, well, what is the, what would be the, what would be the best example? Because that that's also says something fixed. The reason I said that's not necessarily a good example that he gave, even though it definitely sparked an amazing conversation, I wish I would have quoted. It was something like campus reform or something like that. 
you know, he just asked like a lot of left, a lot. He asked a lot of the left, you know, questions from the right. Or it's really, it's real, you know, thought provoking stuff. I really enjoyed it. But I said to myself, a GPA is a fixed thing. Money isn't fixed, and 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 you you do pay people based on how hard. You don't pay people how hard they work. It's how hard or how successful and efficient they are, right? Because you can study all day and still get an F on the test. We kind of look at that as fair because the idea of the test is to show us that you can, you know, execute properly. But the GPA is a fix. Like I said, GPA is a fixed thing. What the, the same equivalent to me for socialism would be a better example is you have classroom A, and this is where I, I took it, you know, he stopped where they stopped at it. And I just, in my mind, I took it here. You have two classrooms, right? Classroom A. Classroom A was just built. It's a new module. It was it was just built. It has all of the, you know, the bells and whistles of a new classroom. And in this classroom, there's order. The, the teacher, not only do you have, it's well air conditioned, right? Let's say, it's well air conditioned. It's not drafty. It's, it's well insulated. It's a very comfortable place to learn. It's in a quiet area where there's not many distractions. It's like I said, it's a quiet area, not many distractions. In the classroom, they have uh that the disciplinary actions is more individual based, right? Let's say rule your first. Let's say you jump up and you disturb the class, right? Your first violation is a verbal coaching. We're going to sit down and talk to you and tell you what you did wrong. We're going to give you a warning. The second one is we're going to talk to your parents or send you send you something home. That's more like a, a rehabilitation, right? That's us working together with your close family and seeing what's, what all is necessary for us to solve this problem. And then the third step is to send you to the principal office, and the principal is going to determine whether it's going to determine your course of action whether that be in-school suspension, suspension, detention, expulsion, getting expelled, whatever does it, you know, whatever in the hands of the principal. Then you, so that's classroom A. And classroom A is a proficient class. The, the teacher is involved. Everybody's happy. Now you have classroom B. Classroom B is an older classroom. It's not well insulated. It's drafty in the winter. It's hot in the summer. The, the particular place that is positioned has a lot of distractions outside. It distracts the kids. It, it's not very quiet. And the rules there are different. Where one outburst gets the whole classroom a warning. Second outburst, you take away things from the classroom. And third outburst, like say when I say the second one, you take things away from the classroom, like they lose maybe a, a, a privilege or something, right? Well, whatever is, I don't know. Just, just, just They take something away. They take a luxury away. And the third one is the whole class has to stay 20 minutes after school. In classroom B, they have substandard conditions. They're punished and penalized in a group instead of as individuals as in class A. To me, this is the best example of what we're seeing in society right where you have the the poor class and even the working class who a lot of us a lot of us work two three jobs just to really stay in the same place you're working harder to just keep up so i'm not just talking about poor people 
I'm just meaning like class B is the underprivileged. Class C, I'm not class. Class B is the underprivileged. Class A is the actual, uh, whatever. It's the actual privileged class. I think the, the best example of that would be like, let's say you was going to be the right. The right will look at that and say, okay, you, in, in both parties, let's say both parties look back and see this is a problem. Say, yeah, clearly, this is an issue. This is a disparity. Well, we can't afford to build another classroom. So here's what we have to do. The right says, send us all of the A students. Well, that's fair if you think about it. To an extent, that's fair, right? Because if you send us all your A students, he's this person worked for it. Not even just A students, B plus students. If they're going to already meet these standards, even under these conditions, it's our obligation as a free country to help people become the best they can be. If they can get an A minus in classroom, in, in uh, A minus in classroom B, they'll probably be the head of the class in classroom A just because they won't have the least, they won't have the distractions, they won't have substandard conditions, they won't be punished for actions of other people. When you take them out of that condition, that'll help them be the best they can be. And the right says that's how you get the creme de la creme. That's how you produce the innovators. That's how you produce the Henry Fords, the Steve Jobs, the Bill Gates, the people that we built our country on. That's how you do that. While I believe the left is saying more or less like, uh, we'll, we'll be saying something more or less like, instead of taking out the A-plus student, see, if you take out the A-plus student, the other kids have no one to help them understand what they have going on. You leave the A-plus student where he's at. Let's take this kid that's disrupting the classroom, that is disrupting the classroom and not quite working out. Let's take him out of the equation. Now you're creating a safer environment for classroom B and you put him in classroom A because classroom A has, because classroom A has, uh, uh, a certain, like we said, punishments in place. First verbal warning, note the parents. Then you go to the principal's office. That may work better for him. Now he's now he has to take accountability. Then he's no longer distracted in the classroom. So that alleviates a lot of pressure off of the kids who was already there. And you're taking away a lot of the, the things that make that classroom what it is. And and, and, and you kind of, and you helping him. So in both parties in the left says, well, that does make sense, right? Because now it's easier. It's easier for classroom B because if you don't take him out, you only take out the A students. Now you're making a superior and inferior classroom. This classroom is destined to fail. This classroom is destined to succeed. That doesn't seem fair to them and you make sense. And so that's what led me to my point of, I guess what socialism would be Cause I mean I'm not a econ I'm not in the economics I'm not gonna sit and tell you that I'm big in the politics but this just really sparked my you know sparked my mind got my will thinking I think that's the same thing as saying well here's what we're gonna do classroom A class A is gonna be in classroom A Monday Thursday classroom B will be in classroom A Tuesday Friday and both of them are in the gym Wednesday. And that would seem like fairness, right? You would think, oh, that's fair. That's both of them get the same opportunities. Even though you just made it identical, it may not necessarily be fair. 
because what's a privilege to one is a punishment to the other. Because you're going to see F students start to go up to C students. But your A students may start to also decline because you're making it tougher for them too. And now you're, you're breeding mediocre, right? So now you will have this one side of the aisle saying, well, you know what? You've just lowered, you've just lowered our whole, uh, you know, you're taking our Bill Gates away. How are we going to have these innovators? And the, and the left is going to feel like, well, it's still equally not fair because, yeah, you're just making mediocre people. It doesn't actually cross over well. You're punishing it. It's not an equal punishment, but you're also you're breeding mediocre by giving everybody identical because then everybody perform identically. So the way I think, that's kind of like how I was thinking about it, where it's like, what what is fair then? What method would you take? And that's why I wanted to ask you as my audience. What method would you take? If you had the same scenario where, now classroom B, you can't renovate classroom B. Classroom B is an old classroom. It was made to be inferior to classroom A. It's older. It, it wasn't made correctly. Whatever the fact, it was made to be an inferior classroom. Somebody has to be in that classroom. The school can't exist without somebody. You know, you can't only have half the school populated. Somebody has to be in that classroom. And even as you innovate it, you're going to have to put more money into, you know, shining up, uh, shining a turd, honestly, than just building another one, which will cost too much money, too. So now you've got to have a classroom that's at a disadvantage. What, what approach would you take? Would you say, well, have the kids from classroom A help tutor? If you try to, or maybe you say, well, because if you're in classroom B, you get punished with everybody equally. So the one class clown acts up, everybody gets punished, and even him. Let's say the perfect example of that would be, let's say the kid was, uh, let's say the, the kid was misbehaving and everybody got punished equally. So he never directly got punished. So he kind of starts building this entitlement, like we said, this victimhood. And by the time he actually does something that, by the time he does an offense that warrants, that warrants individual uh, disciplinary actions, he's expelled. He went from no coaching, nobody getting the parents involved, to him just being expelled because that's the kind of environment he came up in. So you can't just leave him there. He will be destined to fail. That's almost inevitable. But the straight A student has worked hard in classroom B. But now if you take kids from classroom A, you got to take somebody from, I mean, from classroom B and put them in A. You got to take somebody from A and put them in B. Now that one from A, now you building resentment in classroom A. Now the kids who came from classroom B going into A, you building resentment towards them. And people feel like, oh, well, look who just gets to walk in and have it. Like you see folks who say, oh, it's easy to go to college if you're a minority. It's easy to get work if you're a minority. But it's only fair. It is, you don't just get to keep classroom A to yourself. So that, that just kind of that just led me down that, that rabbit hole of thinking, man. And, uh, and I just wanted to run that past y'all to see what y'all thought about it. I really thought that was a, a dope experiment. I ain't even mean to go this long. 
But, you know, do you think that's fair? If you're a straight-A student, should you not be getting the best opportunity? But at the same time, is it not fair to leave dog in classroom B who's guaranteed to fail? He needs extra help. He needs extra attention. Should you take... Here's another one. I ain't even thinking about this until now. Should you take all the lower students in classroom B and put them in A? Take all your top students from A and put them in B. Does that make... Now, you may, you might increase your likelihood even then. Even then, you're still creating an inferior-superior dynamic, right? Even if you're not, at best, they'll just become even because you're still putting these kids at a disadvantage. You may take him out of classroom A and he was on the path to a, a good direction. You put him in classroom B and to a disadvantage. Now what? That could become an F student. He could go down that same path. It creates a vacuum regardless, right? So do you pluck him out of classroom B and create a vacuum that will eventually be filled anyway? Classroom A, get the creme de la creme, and you eventually form this wop-sided classroom dynamic. Or do you just make him switch classes? Which one would you do? It's, it's something I really thought about. Anything I was going to spend half my... Uh, anything I was going to spend half my time on it, but it really... I couldn't think about nothing else. But so on to the next thing. I wanted to talk about gun rights in hip hop. A lot of rappers, if you notice are on the gram or on Instagram and they're showing off these guns and, and they're and they're making these threats and you start to think to yourself, wow, hip hop is one of the most irresponsible platforms in the world. And it makes you think it's everybody. But I wanted to give you three examples and three stories of polar opposite treatments when it comes to guns and hip-hops and rappers. And the first one I wanted to talk to you about was T.I. I'm, I'm going to get this done kind of quick. So, T.I. in 2009, uh, 8. Oh, I'm sorry. October 2007, I believe it was. I believe it was October 2007, was arrested by the ATF for guns. So it goes, this weekend, T.I. was arrested this weekend on felony charges. T.I. born Clifford Harris Jr. Clifford Joseph Harris Jr., if you didn't know, will appear before U.S. Judge Allen Baverman at the United States Courthouse in Atlanta later today. Prosecutors will charge the rapper with possession of unregistered machine guns and possession of firearms by convicted felon. He had a lot of guns. He had a lot of guns. It says, uh, the ATF started an 11-day investigation. That's when the rapper's bodyguard asked the licensed gun dealer at the gun store about buying machine guns and not registering it as required by law. I didn't know you could buy machine guns, so he had his bodyguard do all this buying. Here was something interesting, right? So, you know, uh, uh, so I, on October 2nd, the dealer reported the incident to the ATF. So this is when it all kicked off. We started an investigation, provided a fictitious cell phone number to undercover agents posing as a machine gun dealer. I believe you can buy in private transactions. I believe you can buy guns like in private transactions. Um, there, there's this guy in the NIA that I, that I watch sometimes. He said that you have to get a background check to buy guns at a gun store, but some people say you don't. So, I mean, I don't know. 
I've never bought a gun, let alone at a gun store. But so I guess, but let's just assume they're being an illegal dealer. So on October 2nd, the dealer reported, the dealer reported an incident to the ATF, blah, blah, blah. Eight days later, on October 10th, T.I. called the bodyguard to pick up $12,000 in cash to buy the weapons. The bodyguard met the undercover agent at the Kmart. T.I. bodyguard then gave the agent, listen to this, $2,200. Where the other $10,000 went? Where'd that go? Look, he bought uh, a .223 caliber pistol in exchange for three 9mm machine guns. No, he gave the agent $2,200 plus the the .223 caliber pistol in exchange for three nine mil three nine millimeter machine guns and two nine millimeter silencers. Federal agents then arrested the bodyguard who revealed he was buying the guns for TI and that he had purchased almost twenty-five firearms over the past eighteen months for the rapper, who is a convicted felon and legally barred from owning firearms. If you get convicted for a felony, if you don't know about gun rights, if you're convicted for a felony, you no longer have the right to bear arms. You lose a lot of stuff when you get a felony on your record. You lose a lot of stuff. All right. In one incident in September, the bodyguard claims that the rapper had him purchase some calico 9mm from the gun store. After that legal purchase, they invited uh, him up into the bedroom. He had this walk-in safe full of sticks. Well, what he said he had in it. And he had a, five, he had a fingerprint scanner. He had a safe with a fingerprint scanner, so... You know, he is a father of like 18 people. I don't know how many kids he actually got, but he, I, it's going to be 18 before you know it. But, uh, yeah, he has a lot of kids, so at least he had the fingerprint safe. I wonder if Tiny also had her fingerprint working. Tiny's involved in this, too. There's a lot of stuff I didn't know, so I, I want to go through this real quick with you. Inside the safe, there was a number of assault rifles and black duffel bags. Uh, go on, get your money, little duffel bag boy. And another incident on... In September, T.I. asked the bodyguard to purchase a 500-caliber Smith & Western revolver. Ooh, dirty Harry. He wanted... T.I., boy, you was wilding. Which was allegedly given to the Grand Hustle rapper Alpha Mega. Oh, my God. I don't know if y'all know Alpha Mega. This, this is a deeper, darker link. Look, Alpha Mega was... Uh, he was arrested years and years and years prior to this. And apparently, he was canceled because he... He testified to the DEA that he bought drugs from some guy. So anyway, he was a federal informant. And when that got out, everybody counseled him. Everybody loved his music before then. He was cool. He looked like Big Tigger on steroids, but he was a straight guy, right? Once that came out, it was it was downhill for that. But anyway, he gave what was an informant for the DEA, a handgun named Alpha Mega, who then delivered the weapons to T.I. Mm. Uh-uh-uh. I wouldn't have had no Alpha Mega go do that for me. The next day on October 11th, the cooperating bodyguard called another bodyguard working for T.I. to discuss security service while agents was listening. During a conversation, T.I. grabbed the phone and the bodyguard alleged, alleged, allegedly told the rapper he had everything for you. Referring to T.I. I got everything, bro. I, I got the two twenty three. I got the caliber. I got the 9mm. I got the whole thing with the 100 I got it all. It's all there. Are you sure you want to come pick this up? Tuesday in the parking lot. 
<laughs> on October 12th, Harris called the uh, October 13th around 1 p.m. I'm sorry, it was 1 p.m. T.I. called the bodyguard and asked him to bring the guns to a recording studio. A lot of rappers get killed in a recording studio. I guess hey, 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 he couldn't do it at the house, even though you already brought him to the house. Now, mind y'all, let me give y'all some context about T.I. His, uh, his bus, I think, earlier that year or the year before that, had got, like, completely shot up, man. It was, it, it was crazy, bro. And he and one of his bodyguards, one of his close friends, who was his bodyguard, died. So if you notice how uh, how bodyguards are heavily influenced, the bodyguard has for the function to which Ti replied, the function of the silence to which Ti replied, no flash, no bang. That sounds like Ti. Ti didn't ask the bodyguard, "What does the E mean? It means it's automatic. That means uh, it's semi-automatic. When you put it on F, that means it's fully automatic." He came through with the full thing. So the rapper inquired about ammunition, the capacity of the magazines, and any charges that might be left over, any change that might be left over from the purchase. He didn't tell you about the 10 grand he still pocketed. He traded in. That bodyguard was making out. Uh, okay, so federal agents then arrested T.I. without incident, recovering three firearms, including one between the driver's seat of the center console. T.I.'s girlfriend, Tiny. Tiny was his girlfriend at the time, but that's his wife now. And uh, and his homeboy, Mac Boney and Young Dro was also arrested. I did not know that Mac Boney and Young Dro was in a car with him. Like, it's crazy. Grand Hustle is crazy, bro. Like, when you sign the T.I., you sign a, a real 360 deal. Like, most 360 deals is, oh, I just get your show money, and I, I get your pub, I get all of that. You sign the T.I., Bro, you got to rap for me. You got to be strapped for me. <laughs> you got to all around get busy for me. He got Alpha Mega running routes. He got Mac Boney in the back seat. Young Dro. Boy, it's crazy. You signed a grand hustle. Uh, uh, anyway, while Mac Boney and Young Dro were not charged for any crimes and release, uh, Tiny was also charged with uh, possession of marijuana and a drug ecstasy. A search of T.I.'s home recovered three rifles. I guess that was one that's in a body bag. Two pistols in a revolver in a walk-in closet. And safe in his bedroom. He had a revolver in a walk-in closet. That's crazy. Five of the firearms was loaded. T.I. was held in federal custody. Blah, blah, blah. Two charges. Registered machine guns. There are two sides to every story. T.I. lawyer said... You know, we're not gonna worry about it in the courtroom, blah, 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 blah. We're gonna we're gonna wait till I day in court to talk about it. All right, that's cool. I mean, it's your life, your world. But this was an example of a rapper who, although he had every good reason to uh to to, to feel as if he had to protect himself, he still was ultimately his worst enemy. The most dangerous thing in his life was him. Now, as much as as much as I, I want to just take that and say, okay, you know, Ti was bugging, Ti was wrong for that. Ti also wasn't the only rapper to be arrested on gun charges. Now, before I get into to the second example, which was Lil Boosie, who was arrested on uh, guns and drug charges in uh, April of two thousand nineteen. 
he was also arrested before that. I believe 10 years before this, he was arrested on gun and weed charges too. He was, uh, this time it was a, this time I think it was like drugs, having drugs and a loaded gun. But beforehand, he was charged with having marijuana around a gun he owned. And, uh, and, and he was, he was arrested in 2009. He was, you know, put on death row later on charged with several murders. I believe they only gave him that charge and fought so hard for that charge. Cause that's something that seemed like you could get thrown away. Right. All right. I was smoking weed and I'm a gun owner. All right. Fair enough. You know, take my gun rights, send me to a drug rehab, but prison, that seemed a bit steep until you find out the minute he got there, they charge him with murders on murders. They only charge him. I think they had four murders they want to charge him with, but he was allegedly involved in ten of them. Yeah, they said he like John Gotti around his way, and uh, and and he ultimately beat the charges. He's a free man now. He still is a convicted felon. He got uh, all his charges like based upon drugs and stuff like that. I don't I don't believe he's ever been convicted for a violent offense. So. That's crazy to say. Boost isn't a violent offender, so you could at least give him that much. But this incident that I'm gonna uh, that that I'm gonna break down is uh, is based was April of 2019. This wasn't the one that I just told you about where he ended up getting on death row and doing five years in prison. This is a whole another case. So it was Coet County, I guess Coet County, Georgia. That's just north of uh of Atlanta. That's where he built his like big mansion. He has like this humongous mansion in in uh in north of uh north of Atlanta. So I guess that's really where he likes to reside. But Boosie Badass has been charged with two felonies stemming from his April drug and weapons arrest according to TMZ. The district attorney of Kuwait County hit the Baton Rouge bread rapper with possession of less than an ounce of marijuana and possession of a controlled substance. Charges the state of Georgia takes extremely seriously. The firearm possession charge, however, was dropped because I believe he had a bodyguard, uh, Antoine Allen was his bodyguard. I'm going to keep reading and then I'll just get it. Then we'll just like discuss from there. All right. So Boosie was arrested on April 8th, uh, blah, blah, blah. Pulled him over for failure to maintain the lane. Swerve love. So he's still swerving, man. He's been swerving for 20 years. Ain't no problem now. It's a problem. Been swerving twenty years. Probably was swerving before the cop ever got on the force. He been swerving. All right. During the search, officers discovered a loaded nine millimeter handgun, marijuana, over twenty thousand dollars in cash in his vehicle. Uh, yeah, yep. That sounds like him. Boosie's bodyguard, Antonio Allen. I knew I had it right. Also arrested during a traffic stop, has been charged with the same two felonies. If convicted, both men face up to a year in prison. All right, so he eventually bonded out uh, after he was caught with, with, you know, the marijuana, the 9 millimeter in his car. He had $3,500 bill, so he didn't seem to be too concerned about it, and he may not have had much to be concerned about. You know, ultimately, I believe, uh, after searching the vehicle, the rapper, not to be confused with Antonio Allen, the NFL football player, uh, on drugs and charges at the traffic stop, he wrote, blah, 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 blah. So the reason I also bring this one up is because if you see, the reason I want to bring this one up and compare that to T.I. situation, 
See, T.I.'s situation was he wanted to have these illegal guns. And these were unregistered machine guns, and this is dangerous. This is a very dangerous thing. And all the people that was involved, he had these loaded guns around these kids. And and, and I honestly, as much as I love the artist, and he's a great musician, this might have been one of the most irresponsible acts I've ever seen. Matter of fact, his show, Road to Redemption, which I think was, for some reason, people kill him for that show, but that show inspired me to turn my life around. So I don't want to say nothing good came of it. He did take his responsibility. He did get in front of it. And very interestingly, you probably wonder, well, why isn't this guy doing forever in prison? Unregistered machine guns? You should be gone forever. I believe the U.S. attorney, I, I got to look up his name. I wish I had it for you. But the U.S. attorney said that he has already done, when at the time of convicting him, he said that T.I. had already done a thousand hours of community service in front of kids, getting them to deter from our gun usage and just overall, you know, uh, uh, disagreeing to, to turn against, you know, life of crime and gun violence. He said that basically his celebrity and the influence he has on kids, I would rather give him a year and have him inspire these kids not to um not to use guns and not to use drugs not to get involved in the streets than to give this guy a thousand years and just ultimately have these kids grow up and never hear actually a message from somebody they look up to to be positive honestly i'm kind of a part of that right i'm kind of in that bracket of the people he had reached when i was 19 at the time when that happened but nonetheless you still got to get off and nobody would have got that kind of leniency unless you were a celebrity with Boosie, this seems to be, he should have, this was his bodyguard, and the bodyguard had the gun under his seat. So that was something that I didn't read in there. The bodyguard was under, the gun was under the bodyguard's seat. But it was Boosie's car. And he did have the marijuana. So he did ultimately play guilty to it, but this is kind of different. Because as a celebrity, they have to have armed security. If you look at, uh, you look at any of these politicians who believe in taking guns away, they all have armed security to protect them. So how are these artists not also being given the same? I don't see you being able to to, uh, to punish him. You can get him for not maintaining the lane for, you know, uh, DWI driving under, driving under DUI driving under influence. Um, but wait, I I don't see him getting a gun charge. So they had to drop the gun charges. But this was a perfect example, man. Uh, drugs and guns don't mix. They they don't mix, and and he should have been more responsible, fair. But at the same time, it also did seem like that's a targeting. I felt like there was a, a a targeting of him. Is this thing the reason why it's not wanting to? Whatever, I can fix that problem. And and now the third one I want to talk about was all the way on the other end of the spectrum. That's Bun B. Bum B was home was invaded. Him and his wife, whose life was put in danger, mind you. This is this is shortly after the death of Nipsey. Because Nipsey died in March of 2019. Or was it 2018? I'm gonna say 2019. We just hit a year. We just hit a year with Nip. So in March 31st of 2019, Nip just died in front of his store. 
So when we heard about Bun B being home invaded, we first thing we thought was the worst. Like, oh man, this is too crazy. You know, we lost another artist because mind you, Nipsey didn't have a gun. But that wasn't the case with Bun B. Let me run the story to you, man. Bun B home invasion. Houston rapper Bun B shot an armed man suspected of invading his home in Southwest Houston on Tuesday. I, he still lives in Houston. He's actually from Port Arthur, but the fact he still lives in Houston, that's pretty good. Police say Bumby's wife heard the doorbell ring, opened the door without knocking, believing it was Amazon delivering a package. When she answered, a man wearing a mask pointed a gun at her and demanded property as he forced his way into their home. Fearing for her life, Bumby's wife pleaded with the suspect, identified as 20-year-old DeMonte Jackson, not to harm her and told him to take the car in the garage. DeMonte Jackson, 22, has been charged with aggravated robbery and burglary. DeMonte Jackson... Okay, yo, yeah, yeah, Bumby, whose real name is Bernard Freeman, if you didn't know that, heard the commotion, grabbed a gun, and came downstairs. The rapper confronted Jackson in the garage, and they both fired shots at each other. See, I didn't know that they was going like toe-to-toe. I mean, Bun in the garage protecting his family. He giving it up. And here's the thing that's crazy. Hold up. And the suspect ran away and later showed up to the hospital for treatment for a gunshot wound in his shoulder. Jackson has been charged with two counts of aggravated robbery and one count of burglary. Bun B, who the police said has not been charged, was not injured. Neither was his wife. Now, this is the other end of the spectrum, right? Because as much as I can empathize with T.I. for having his whole, you know, having losing his friend to a drive-by shooting, I already had him being a felon. He was already a seven-time, he had seven felonies by the time he was 21. So by the time he could actually legally even own a handgun, he couldn't, he, would, he wouldn't have any way of protecting himself. So I do sympathize. To that extent, I do sympathize with him. But you did buy unregistered machine guns. With Boosie, I kind of feel like he's in the middle, right? Because, yeah, you shouldn't have weed around. You shouldn't have weed around a gun. Your bodyguard should be more responsible. If this person is supposed to be your armed security, supposed to be protecting you, then uh, it's probably best that he stay on his P's and Q's as much as you do. But, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. How many times you don't keep getting caught with weed around a gun? Maybe it'll be a good idea to keep both separate or have somebody that take care of the weed and one take care of the gun and you just keep your hands clean. I don't know. But then you have the complete opposite spectrum of our registered gun owner, Bun B. Honestly, who I believe mentors both young men, so I'm sure he sat down and had this talk with him too. But... Because he is an older man. I believe he's got to be in his late 40s by now. He's not too far from Jay-Z's age. But he's a he's a perfect example of, you know, make sure that, that, that you're, you're putting yourself in the right position. That you're putting yourself in a safe position that you and your family are, are protected. But at the same time, there is a law that has to be followed. There is rules that have to be followed. And as much as you can say, well, I'd rather get caught with it than without it. There's other options, and you're rich enough to find those. So that, that's my whole point, you know, and I can go on for days. I could talk about Kodak Black. I could talk about Lil Wayne getting arrested on his tour bus with a 50 millimeter, with a 50 caliber. There wasn't no 50 caliber. Uh, 50 something. There wasn't no 50 caliber. <laughs> I said a 50 caliber. 
Anyway, he got caught with a really big gun on his bus. And everybody on the bus tried to say, oh, it's my gun, it's my gun, it's my gun. But they're like, what? This is your bus and you're responsible for it. So you, there's there's many different things. Or you could look at Kodak who said he wasn't a felon when he was a felon. He tried to buy a gun. There's a thousand different things you can look at. So, But ultimately, man, that's my episode. That's what I want to talk about. You know, if you like the first topic... I kind of, you know, I kind of got thoughts on that. I don't get real political because I believe in more. You know, I like to keep my show about my interest in music. But, you know, if you like to see more of this, just leave a comment in the comment section or just tell me what you think. What would you do if you had the scenario I painted? What do you think about gun rights and hip-hop? Just let me know, man. Until then, I'm out. It's your boy Dapper Don Dez.